the criteria Latifi needs to do to get re-signed. Not get last. <laughs> oh, Spa's back. And lights out and away we go. <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton is halfway to space. <laughs> Personally yeah. go IndyCar over Williams. Yeah, space. <laughs> Grosjean Zoo. Guan Yu Zhou. Guan Yu Zhou. No, Zhou Guan Yu. I said that the first time. George was already sitting in that seat. Look, I don't agree with it, but you've asked a question. I'm trying to find a way to justify it. I'm just trying to absolutely tear your answer apart. G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. My name is Jacko. With me today is Andy, as always. How you going, man? Man, I'm excited. We got another race. Not my favorite race. It's not my favorite race, but it's a race. I, look. Saudi Arabia has been a very controversial addition to our sport from the day it was announced until I think however it's however its history ends with the sport, it's always going to be one of the most controversial tracks out there. I mean, my default feeling is normally like, oh, we're in Saudi Arabia. I'm not the biggest fan of the track until I went back and watched highlights of last year and was like, oh, no, Saudi was a very good race last year. Genuinely interesting and it's only when I went back and looked that I realized that I'm like, oh, wow, this was a very good thing to be like to watch. So I'm actually excited for this year. I think Saudi's going to be better than a lot of us remember it because I remembered it incorrectly as well. Yeah. All I remember last year was Fernando engine going bang, bang, near Ricardo's engine going bang, bang. Yeah, I have a note here that was like three retirements all at the exact same time. It yeah, just is one lap midway half like just after halfway through the race it was like such and such retired three people were out because it was Valtteri as well wasn't it Valtteri Daniel and Fernando all went at the exact same time yet that's rough and of course Mick and Sonoda didn't even start no they didn't start because it was we'll get into all those when we get to what we think about this year's race but we've got some other things to talk about first and I reckon we should go straight to the news well the biggest news is out of Marinello I feel yeah, you're 100% correct. Charles Leclerc has already cracked an engine penalty for, was it changing the control electronics yep. last weekend? No, so yeah, he's getting new electronics in the second round. That's, you're only that allowed. That has to be a record, right? You're only allowed to, and you've got to remember they had to change it last week because they noticed something. So is it possible that uh, that car fried both those control electronics in one hit, which means later on this year, I'll have to take yet another penalty for control electronics. I'm not the biggest techno dude when it comes to these cars. However, I know it doesn't look good, especially because if what you're saying is correct, if they're like irreparably damaged and they can't be recycled in throughout the year, Wait, he's going they're going to be in trouble because breaking those things isn't really supposed to be happening, I guess. No, and thankfully he's taken the 10-place grid penalty now at race two rather than later in the year because you get the first one's 10 places and then everyone subsequent after that's a five-place grid penalty. That is the rule. Which, I mean, it gets so it gets easier as life goes on. But does it? Though? But like it's if you're really... Taking, <laughs> if you're taking four sets of control electronics, that's 15 places you've lost. On top of the ten, you know what I mean. And we've seen we've seen the Ferraris already be outraced by the Red Bulls and the Aston Martins quite easily. So you're not guaranteeing yourself the ability to push high enough regularly to guarantee, like, to offset the points difference from losing yep. those grid places. So it's not looking good for Charles. D- 
Did they have to do Carlos's at all, or is it just no, Charles? It's just Charles. I mean, that does make it a little bit funnier because he's just had the worst luck, what, the last two, three years? Ever since he's kind of gone to Ferrari, he's just ran out of luck completely. So it does kind of make some ironic sense that <laughs> it is just Charles and not him and Carlos. I know. It, it's, it's just sad. Because Charles is probably the better driver and the more liked driver out of the two. And that's not a knock at Carlos. It's just Charles is that once-in-a-generation talent. He just doesn't have the cars. But to allow him to exuberate that talent that he does genuinely have. Yeah, and look, I really like Charles as a driver. I do think Ferrari has gotten slightly better than they were last year. I think they're going to make better decisions. However, it's not the best way to start a season for anybody, especially not someone like Charles who's been through things like this before. It's just, it seems to be repeating itself and it sucks for him, but we've got some other news we should probably move on to. This one's more exciting for us. Yeah, the Austrian Grand Prix, Austrian, isn't it? Yeah, Austria. race under a different name? It's the Red Bull. Yeah, Austrian. Red Bull rings back for the next four years. Which is fantastic. It's Probably my favorite track to race on whenever I do play one of the games because it is an easy track. And also, it's in a beautiful part of the world. Like, the, the scenery is insane. Well, it's in and it's just sti- fast racing. It's good. It's in the Styrian Hills, isn't it? Yeah, it's up there somewhere. Like, they normally, whenever it's not the Austrian Grand Prix, when we were racing under COVID times, the second race was always called the Styrian Grand Prix. And that wasn't won by Max. Max would win the first one and then someone would pip him in the steering, I feel like. Yeah, and that was really when I was getting back into the sport those years. Like, I, re- I think I started 2019 and then COVID hit like the year after. So I w- I've seen a lot of this track and maybe that's why I'm so fond of it because that's where I spend most of my time racing or watching races. So I'm stoked. It's been good. But Mercedes have come out and said they're bringing some small upgrades this weekend to Saudi Arabia. Toto isn't saying they're massive, that it's just supposed to, I guess, point them in the right direction, I think is what he said. Yeah, he, he's not too... He's not thinking, like, this is going to return them to what the W12 and the W11 was doing, which is absolutely dominating. But if it gives them a second or so a lap or it allows them to crank a couple more seconds out over a one-lap pace in qualifying that's an improvement on where they're sitting at the moment. Because in my article, I did say, I can't remember if I cited heaps favorably with them, but they were okay. They both got points finishes last week. So if they can get, and the, or if that upgrade, sorry, blah, if these upgrades give them a couple of seconds on those laps, they're going to push those places higher every week, securing more points. Like it looks good for their championship totals if these work. No, I agree. And I think with the the prediction also coming from Simon Lazenby, now I know I know what you're gonna say. Simon Lazenby's an idiot. He is. He has predicted that potentially Lewis is fed up and at the end of this year he moves to Ferrari. That that was his prediction over the last week is that Lewis will tell Mercedes to go fuck themselves and move on. You reckon? Who would Ferrari you don't, I don't reckon? reckon? Does anyone reckon? No. Okay, cool. Simon Lazenby does. All right, I don't reckon what Simon Lazenby reckons or whatever his name is. That's 
I've said a lot of stupid things, but that is an absolute ridiculous take. <laughs> That's a Paul DeResta take. Here, here's the thing. We're going to call him crazy until it happens and I go, well, I've been wrong about one thing about Ferrari, but I don't see Lewis. I think it's on Lewis. I don't see Lewis leaving Mercedes. I see Ferrari taking Lewis. I could see Lewis leaving Mercedes if he's like if he doesn't see any improvement soon. But it's not to another F1 team. I think it's like, I'm good. I've made my money. I'm going to go do something else. For I've broken life. most records that were the head to be broken. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm good. Maybe he takes a year off like Fernando and comes back bigger and stronger at Red Bull. Maybe, but if I'm Lewis, I'm either going to stay... And in then the sp- Toto cries. <laughs> and then Toto cries. No, if I'm Lewis, I'm just going to stay in the sport until I do think I'm finished. If that means... Sticking it out one more year in this car, coming fourth or fifth in the championship to get a brilliant one next year because they are going to implement the changes we've all spoken about. They're not Mercedes isn't a team to sit idle and just let things fester. So if they were like, no, Lewis, let us just test this one more chance. If we don't get any results the first few weeks, our entire development moving forward will be about bringing side pods back to the car kind of following in Red Bull's footsteps a little bit because you kind of have to at this point. I mean, it's the most dominant car. Yeah, I I can see Lewis sticking it out this year for one of for that improved year next year. After that, if nothing gets better, absolutely not, but he is still got the talent and he's not going to age out like Fernando's your example. Lewis isn't going to age out because Fernando's racing at like 40 Two. He's 41. 41, right? So, like, Lewis is like, well, I've yep. still got six, seven years on behind that dude because Lewis is, what, 37, 38? Something like that. He's old. He is, but you know what I mean? He cl- clearly still has a, an example of, like, well, I don't have to dip out now. I've still got all those extra years to give something a chance. So, I think Lays is wrong. But you're gonna, <laughs> I think he's wrong. But also, Fernando, Fernando took a two-year uh, hiatus. He did take a two-year hiatus. Yeah, nothing went well for him there either. What do you mean? He took two years off. He went and won the 24-hour Le Mans, 24-hour Daytona, 1,000 miles of Sebring. Um, you know what? If you watch Rocket Powered Mohawks Bahrain Grand Prix, he actually delves pretty deeply into it. Okay, so maybe it did go better for him than I remember, but... It went heaps better those two years off. But... And then he came back to an Alpine shitbox. Yeah, no... It looked- <laughs> Well, we'll get into that because he retired, didn't he? His engine blew up. Yeah, we already said that. Well, I guess we were going to talk a little bit about F2 this weekend as well because their championship started at Bahrain 2. Yes. And it continues this weekend at Jeddah. Which is awesome because they always have insanely huge crashes while they're at Jeddah. I think there's only been one lap one that hasn't ended under red or... or safety car conditions. Yeah, and then lap two, it happened in that race. Yeah. <laughs> and they, I, I, I believe, because uh, it's Alex Brundle and... Alex Jakes? Alex Jakes, yeah. They even brought up when they were commentating that race, it's like, there's, there's never been a Saudi without a red flag or a safety car on lap one. They get through the first lap, like, oh, that's nice, and there's the safety car. I believe it was something like that, like, they're... they're complimenting that they got through the first race and then the incident happened. Yeah, I think it happened on on like the first 
straight, so like down the main straight, I think someone got tipped into a wall. Like it was a big one too. They're like, well, we're at Jeddah. This is how it goes. But I guess we yep. should kind of explain what the whole point of F2 is in the context of Formula One because it exists as its main feeder series. Yes. So if you're a junior who really wants to get into Formula One, obviously you you start in like Formula Renault, Formula BMW, something like an open seater when you're like 13, 14. And you progress through to your F4s and your F3s and then you hit F2. But in 2017, there was a massive rebranding on all this. Did you know that? I knew they did a big adjustment. Is this from going from like the GP2 category to F2 officially? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so basically it went from being for, uh, the European GP2 series to the FIA Formula 2 World Championship, which meant that they started taking races all over the world. And in so doing that, they've, they've rebanded it every every formula at this point. That's why you got Formula 4 through to Formula 2 as well now. And the Formula 4s are normally regionally based competitions. They don't really travel too yes. much. So you've got like Formula 4, Euro... Formula, there's a whole bunch of competitions. I know you can do it in Italy. Italy has their own version of it. Like the big motorsport nations yep. normally host their own F4 tournaments. Yeah, and there's also like a European Formula 4 as well, which goes to other, other places. Yeah, and that's but then the big basically you pro- Yeah, and then you progress through to Formula 3. And if you do well enough in Formula 3, you usually progress through to Formula 2. And then after X amount of points, you get your, your super license, you can potentially progress into Formula One as people like Charles Leclerc, George Russell, Lando Norris. I didn't call him the Milky Bar Kid. I'm very upset <laughs> you got That's your first time correctly naming him as a human this year. Yes. Not going to happen again. But also the GOAT came through. Mick came through. Sonoda, Joe, and Logan Sargent, to name all of them. Yeah. It's- Those are the only ones that have progressed from F2 to F1. Yeah, and we saw a couple of years ago a massive influx of F2 drivers, which essentially means we're stuck with the current grid we have for like five or six years. So now there is a drought of F2 talent coming up into F1, and that's why you see a lot of the champions go and race over in Formula E for a couple of years, like Nick DeVries did. Or you or you get picked up by Aston Martin as a reserve driver, like last year's champion, Felipe Drogovic, did. Yep. And the reason that is, is if you win the championship, you no longer qualify to be allowed to race in F2. That's a big thing of it. Yeah, one you of the win, big talking to, points is you if, you, if you're the champion, you can't race that year again, which is, I, I want to say, needs adjusting because those guys are set and are ready for Formula 1, but they don't have the opportunity to step up yet, but that's where they're headed, right? That's where they belong. So I guess you could let the champions run, but not let their points total count to the normal super licensing. You just run like an alumni version of the championship alongside F2. So fresh drivers are still graduating to that top level, but those ones who are staying back another year while their seats are getting ready aren't ruining other young people's chances to step up into the sport. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, but also you've got to consider it's only one person a year that has to leave. And what the FIA should be doing, I don't. I like your idea, but I think what's better is if the FIA steps in. Is like, all right, we have to get this kid to drive somewhere in the world, whether that's in F one, whether that's a reserve driver seat role, as well as 
you've got a Formula E role set there ready for you. You know what I mean? Like they need to, they've got so many competitions around the world. Surely they can set aside a seat in a competition. That is, this is the Formula 2 world champion seat. You know what I mean? I like that idea as well, man, because it, it's still giving something. I think what we can both agree on is that the current setup needs adjusting because it's no longer serving its best purpose where it is. So I like the fact that we both have different yeah. ideas because yours would work fine and mine would also work fine. It's just a difference yeah. on what comp they're driving in, but we both agree that there needs to be something available for these guys while they wait for their turn because it's coming eventually. Yeah, and, and I think at this stage we can assume that there will only be one person from this crop coming up next year. Are you going to say Tao? If that makes sense. Tao is the only person I can um, can confidently say will move up into an F1 seat in the next two years. Where would you put him, though? Or would you say that's just open to interpretation uh, at this point? Uh, it's very easy where I put him. Joe gone, Tao in. He goes straight into that Sauber seat, which he's been groomed for for ages. Yeah, okay. So that would be the number one spot where he'd go. And the only other option I'd see that would pop up is Yuki go and he'd step in there as it, like Dita scalps him or something like that. Yeah, well, that that's the thing. Like, Teo didn't want to be in Formula 2 this year. He said last year this was last year was his last year in Formula 2. Then he gets pipped for the championship by Dragovic, so he has no choice. He has to come back to Formula 2 this year because there's no seat open for him because they re-signed Joe for another year. I think with Audi coming in and Audi really steamrolling that they're, they're in charge of Sauber in the next few years, it's either Teo comes up to there and gets his, gets his opportunity before they take full control, or Ferrari is going to have to find a way to get him into the sport. Yeah, look, I guess there would be a way in at Ferrari. It would just be a shock to see either of their drivers go at the moment. I guess as equally crazy as lasers, laser is, I could say that like, oh, look, Charles ends up at Mercedes to replace Lewis because Lewis leaves storyline or whatever. I'm not saying for into the Ferrari team. I'm not saying into the Ferrari team. Ferrari uses their Ferrari Academy to get him into the sport, gets him into Haas or gets him into another team that they somehow managed to get an engine into. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Okay, that does make sense. But we'll see. I didn't mean put him in the big boy seat. He's not going straight into the big boy seat. It's true. I mean, at the end of the day, his focus now needs to only be on dominating this F2 championship. Winning. Which is what he did last week. He did. And, like, he would need to win and should win by a significant margin to prove to every F1 team that I'm the next person you're bringing in, regardless of who you've signed. Well, if you look at the feature race last weekend, he not only did he put it on pole by over seven-tenths of a second, which was unheard of in uh, Formula 2, but also he wins the feature race by nearly 20 seconds. You know what I mean? Like, it's unreal what he did in that race last weekend. And he beat Ralph Boschong, who won the sprint race, by 20 seconds. Yeah, so I watched both of those races, and then I've forgotten majority of what happened. So I've only rewatched the highlights. So that's the basis of, like, all my conversation around the Bahrain sprint and and feature race. But I wanted to go out and limb and say that both races were very, very exciting. Like, 
The reason F2 yes, they were. is the way it is, is they're all racing the same chassis, which is pre-built by Delara, and it's the same engine. So teams are really responsible for driver talent and setup and strategy. Yeah. And it, it makes it good because if you think about it, last year MP Motorsport were the, the team's champion. They've got the number one and number two. They were nowhere last weekend, which means it's always a good shake-up for the, the sport. Because you got Jehan Derulo... Daruval is down in second last place. And where's the other guy? Hauga is not even on my thing. I can't even I see I think Hauga oh, did no, there well. He, is. he did semi well. I'm just trying to find his name in this list here. I thought I did, but there's another guy with a H in his name. He is not on the, the FYA feature race results. Maybe he didn't finish. He came second in the sprint, though. He did come second in the sprint, and he is also one of the many. I think there's six Red Bull juniors in this in this field. Yeah, look, I really like how and now they, the academies are allowed to let them race team colors. It is pretty funny with Red Bull because it's on so many different teams and drivers that you see Red Bull cars all over the field, and none of them are actually teammates. Actually, two of them are. Yeah, but for the the most often times you see them, they're not teammates, even though they've all got the same colored cars. Like I know the Carlin boys are both. Yeah. Red Bulls? The Carlin boys are both Red Bulls and the High Tech boys are both Red Bulls. But other than that, the other two, there's one at Dams with Iwasa and the MP Motorsport of Hauga is also a Red Bull. Yeah, there's a couple of Alpines as well. Which is crazy. Yes, so uh, Jackie Doohan's with Virtuosi and Martins with ART. He's actually partnering Teo Porsche this year. Yeah, they're both the Alpines. They look okay too. Jackie Dewan had a weekend to forget, though. He was nowhere. Oh, definitely. He did not have a good weekend. He finished bugger all in both races, which was just a shame. He was outside the but points, he comes... but he was like 10th or 11th both races, I think. So he wasn't like absolute trash right near the back, but it was still he should be scoring podiums week in, week out because he's... He finished 14th in... Ah, oh, not 14th. He finished 11th in the sprint race and he finished... 16th in the feature race. Like, that's bad for Jackie Dewan. Yeah, it's not where he should be. Especially with his dad at the track. Yeah. No. It was just, it was a letdown weekend for him, but it wasn't complete dire straits. Like, there is pace in that car. They just clearly didn't unlock it for this weekend. No, they didn't. And it is a shame because Jackie Dewan obviously is an Australian. He's probably Alpine's next, um, probably next works after Piastri. I'd say so. Like, they'll be putting all this money... I'd say they put all this money into Jackie Doohan and then he'll go race for McLaren. Nah, they, I think everyone's learnt their lesson there. Um, <laughs> and that would mean that Oscar would go because McLaren's going to keep on to Lando as much as they can. I don't see Lando jumping ship. I do. I think if the McLaren continues to be as shit as it is, Lando may just be like, no, I'm a world championship contender. I want a better car and look for a better seat. Especially, let's say, if Lewis retires. I mean, you've got to consider Toto would probably be like, I could take Lando. Have an, uh, continue his all British bias with the Milky Bar kid and uh, Lando and the squad. You'd hate that team even more now. I would. That'd be the worst team ever. But you do make a lot of sense there. I could see something like that opening up. But again, all of it relies, like, all this speculation relies on massive ifs as well. That's why I'm always hesitant to, like, put any credit behind any theory. Because it's just a massive if at this yeah. point. Like, that's 
if Lewis does this. That's if Toto does something. You know what I mean? They're all big. Yeah, but this sport, you just you can't predict anything except for Ferrari. You know what I mean? No, and even Ferrari does and some it, shockers on occasion. Exactly. But yeah, this weekend and next weekend, well, the next race is uh, F2 compliant as well because they're coming to Australia for the first time. Yeah, I'm very excited they're getting to run there. I, are the supercars running at the same time too? Yep. It's going to be a fair... That's supercars fantastic. will be there. F, you got F3, F2, F1, supercars. It's going to be a good weekend at the end of... End of March, start of April. I mean, that's just fantastic for Australian tourism and motorsport. So that's an awesome, awesome job by Melbourne to get all that organised because that's fantastic. It's the only good thing Melbourne's ever done. <laughs> um, no, look, I'm I'm keen for F2. Seeing Boshong get his first win as like the most most race starts ever to also now finally getting his maiden win. That was a very nice storyline in the uh, sprint race. Yeah, and also considering that last year he was nearly out of the sport completely. Yep. He'd run out of funding. Yeah, I was going to say that was due to sponsorship and funding more than anything else. Um, yeah, standout drivers for me all weekend were Theo Porcher and Victor Martins. I thought they did fantastically. Agreed. I also I also want to throw in there um, Iwasa. In the dams, he did pretty well in the sprint race as well. He held off uh, Teo Porcher, who was charging for at least two laps. Which is massive in that sprint race. Also, I noticed Arthur Leclerc had probably overshot some of the corners five or six times throughout throughout both races over the weekend. He always seemed to be the one locking his brakes and just sending it very, very wide. Yep, I think all the talent went to the other Leclerc over Arthur. Yeah, it's also his first year. So we'll see how he goes. He still placed okay, though. Like, that's the thing. He made a lot of mistakes and was still right up there in the points for most of the weekend. Yeah, he finished sixth in the uh, feature race, and in the sprint race, I don't think he finished. Oh, well, fair enough. Still, he's got some talent there. Uh, He finished 12th. 12th. 12th in the sprint. Yeah, so outside the points, but got points in the other one. So some talent. Look, F2 is going to be good this year. It is going to be really good. I think this year is going to be a good F2. I'd say so. F3 is just so chaotic and it's always up and down. So it's always hard to wrap your head around that. But F2 does make a lot of sense and it is good racing to watch. So yeah, probably best year ever. There's so much talent in there and the cars are really, really good. And all the liveries look good too. So it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. But also with F3, you've got three cars per team. Yeah. And if I'm, I'm, I'm just in there now and I'm having a look, I can see... I don't see any names that... Stand out to me. Like, obviously, Flourish, the chick. She's back. In um, F3. She's finally back after a massive crash in fucking... Back, oh, what is it? It's Macau. Macau. Was where she, yeah, Macau. Should we talk about this weekend as a whole, though? Yeah, because this weekend, we obviously, we're going back to Jeddah. Uh, I'm going to assume there's not going to be an oil refinery blown up in FP1 this this year. No, hopefully it's a little bit uh, more relaxed than it was last year. Last year was rather intense start to the weekend. We we nearly didn't even have a race. It was that bad. Yeah, I remember the drivers sat down and had a discussion whether they're going to protest the weekend as a whole, but they ended up going ahead with it, and I don't think anything really came of that whole situation. I'm pretty sure. W- 
from memory, it was just let's get through the weekend and say nothing and just get out of here alive. Yeah, which is what happened. Uh, you got any track facts for us this weekend? Yep. So the Cornish Circuit at Jeddah is a sports washing event in Saudi Arabia where they show how great they are by holding a major sporting event. Yep. It's a 50-lap race. Uh, lap records held by Lewis, uh, 130.7 in 2021, because it definitely wasn't last year's car that said it. <laughs> Three DRS zones. Um, and they've moved the detection zone of DRS-3, which is going to stop little DRS chicken at turn 27. Which was when they were trying to outbreak each other and get the DRS for that main straight and essentially just guarantee themselves a pass on their rival. Yeah, they basically moved the DRS detection zone to just past the corner now, so you've got to come out of that corner behind and then you get the DRS down the main straight. Yeah, which I mean, is That's good. actually probably the smartest thing they could have done. No, it's nice that they've adjusted it because it needed fixing. I mean, it made last year's race fun, but it shouldn't become a regular thing, like a feature of the track, I guess. You don't want it to be that. So, good change overall. Yeah, definitely. Oh, but other than that, yeah? I was going to say, we look at this circuit, we look at this track. It's a very fast track, of course. And due to the fact that it's really really fast, F1 is saying that any grandstand seat that you get will be a, have the best view of the race. But that is their official um, advice of uh, where to sit and watch the race. It's like just sit anywhere in a grandstand, you'll be fine. I mean, great marketing if it's true. And it should be like, the racing is incredibly quick and it has been pretty good. So I went back and watched replays of last year's qualifying and race. So I've got a few points to talk about and I think you'll enjoy a couple of these things that I've written down, mate, because uh, it was a very representative race for the whole season, I'd like to say. Okay. So my first note in qualifying is Latifi red flags quali. <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> he, uh, he crashes into the barriers at some point because the track is it's it's racetrack and then concrete barrier there's like very little runoff across this track and it's very tight and very quick yeah and there's just no room for error so it's just a latifi trap all weekend so he's red flag quality and it's affected a bunch of people's laps hamilton is knocked out in q1 I remember this. Yeah, you, this is when Team LH had a fucking nuclear event on Twitter, wasn't it? I, I can't remember what they did on social media. I stick away from everyone's social media, but I want to see if you can guess who knocked him out of Q1. So a driver pushed Hamilton over the limit. Who knocked him out? Was it Lance? It was. It was Lance Stroll. Ha! <laughs> Imagine being that shit you're out-qualified by Lance Stroll, although that's probably <laughs> going to happen a lot this That's going to happen a lot this year, man. Um, other notes from qualifying. Mick Schumacher destroys his Haas for the first $1 million of the year. He goes on to do that a couple more times. <laughs> May have cost him a seat. Yeah, this one, this one didn't help. The next one definitely cost him the seat. This one was the, uh, the alley to the oop. Yep. Checo gets his maiden pole. I remember this. Yep. So Jago gets his maiden pole. It was very, very exciting. Max was on the second row of the grid. It was the two. It was like a Ferrari sandwich, I guess, or a Red Bull sandwich. Um, 
Yeah, because the two the two Ferraris were in between the two Red Bulls. They, they were, and then I didn't really pay attention to whoever was further up the grid, but those were the big takeaways from qualifying. So it was pretty good there for qualifying. And then we come to the race. So Mick isn't starting because his car's destroyed. No. Yuki's car breaks on the way to the grid. So he's out before the race even begins. I don't know. I think it was electronics. His car just died on the formation, like on the drive to the grid. That was probably a safe thing for Alpha Tauri, though, because he probably would have destroyed the car. Honestly, I reckon they just flicked him off on the way. They're like, you know what? Let's just save the money. Look what happened to Haas, and we're doing the same. Yep. Uh Maybe maybe William should have done that with Nicholas Latifi. Well, though. that was going to say. My second note is uh, Latifi crashes and causes a safety car. <laughs> That's my second note of the race. God damn it, Nicholas! Oh, it was a shock of him. That's two crashes. Uh, interestingly enough, though, I don't know if you noticed before the safety car, before Nick's crash, Ferrari pit crew comes out into the pit lane and they're going to bring Charles in. Red Bull reacts, and. Uh, pulls Checo in and as Charles is about to drive into the pit entry he drives he skips it but Checo follows and goes in into the pit lane so Ferrari threw a dummy pass with their pit strategy which means two laps later when the safety car came out and every good one got a free pit stop it really messed up Checo's race so I want to say that is genuine genius strategy by Ferrari and that's the only bid we saw of that last year those two words shouldn't be in the same strat- uh, same sentence. Genius and Ferrari, unless you say, Ferrari really isn't a genius at strategy. No, but they were last year in this particular moment because that worked perfectly. It ended up giving Charles the lead of the race. Then we One had out of 100 horror. decisions don't make you a genius. That's the only moment of genius they had last year, mate. That's all I'm saying. It was the only moment of genius they had. Alonso, Daniel Ricciardo have engine issues on the same lap while they're having engine issues on track. Valtteri is having engine issues in the pit and they all retire on the same lap. Now, doesn't one of them actually pull up in the pit lane? VB. And Lewis is like, yeah, and Lewis is in the lead and they shut the pit lane and he is unable to make a pit stop. Is that, am I remembering that correctly? I didn't see that during this race. So I don't think it was this one because Lewis was nowhere this race, man. No, I I remember distinctly Lewis was somewhere before the pit stop, before the safety car, and he's on the radio and he's like, Bono, can I pit? And Bono's like, no, they've shut the pit lane. You cannot pit. We will cop a penalty. Maybe. He's had to, it does say something I'd to, miss. I feel like it's something you've missed. <laughs> because it Sounds like something I'd miss. Yeah, because I remember Lewis being like stuck in the, stuck in the safety car train. He's like, can I pit? They're like, we're going to lose too many positions. He's like, well, I'm going to lose these positions anyway. So they, they go back under green flag and Lewis has to pit then. I just I, I think that was this race and he ends up in 10th. And then he asks the famous, uh, do I even get points finishing this low? Oh, maybe, man. Look, I'm going to go with default. Yes, you're normally pretty good with these sorts of things. My only other note, though, that I do have is Max and Charles had an awesome battle for the rest of the race. For first place, and they passed it. There was a proper back and forth. They passed each other probably three, four times in total for the lead of the race. Max ended up getting because it was a yellow on the last lap, and Max ended up maintaining the lead and snagging first place. But it was one of those really good, oh, 
the racing is actually back and it's really, really fun this year. So that happened to round okay. out the the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix last year. Mad. But yeah, we I guess we need to kind of talk about what we think is going to happen this weekend. I just want to point out, I, I I absolutely am correct because I'm just looking at the pit stop summary and Lewis had to pit on lap 40 All right. after the safety car. <laughs> okay, so I must have missed that. I think they missed that in the highlights. Maybe Sky didn't want to show that off because that wasn't in there. That's funny. But yeah, so this weekend, what do you... I'm going to ask you, what do you think is a chance of happening this weekend? And don't say Toto and Christian kissing because it's not going to happen. No, it's not happening this weekend. That's not going to happen until they copy Red Bull and like Red Bull sends them a bit of data so they can have their old competition back. This weekend though, I don't think it's crazy to suggest Fernando or Aston as a whole snakes another podium. No, I don't think that's crazy. So I I know I guess my answer would be Alonso's the bigger chance of that. But if he's not there, Lance has every opportunity to be right there. The car's the same. The talent's definitely not, but he should be able to get it up there. Well, here, here's what I think happens with Lance. Lance is on a flyer. He's putting a blitzer in, but because it's a fast track and Lance is Lance, Lance puts it in the wall and has a million-dollar debt. He is the biggest risk of crashing here this weekend, or I'd say McLaren is. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw one of the McLarens get a bit of damage. They're just really struggling all around with their car, so it would just be... They're, I'd say their risk of crashing is higher this weekend than it normally is. It just seems like an unstable car at the moment. Well, they are bringing slight upgrades this weekend to try and alleviate some of their issues. It's not going to fix it fully. The The first major upgrade from um, McLaren will be coming at Baku in two, two rounds. Yeah, which is after Australia. So it goes Australia-Baku, which is a fantastic part of the calendar. I'm not going to lie. Oh, you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, so McLaren... They're going to bring some upgrades. I just still don't think their car's competitive overall. All their people who they're fighting against look better. Williams would be a big team for me to watch this weekend. They had a really good start of the year. They looked comfortable and consistent in their places they got. I think Alpha will be a team to watch too. Like the Romeo, not Tauri. Tauri will be in the back. Um, Alpha Romeo are claiming they fixed their high-speed stability issues from last year. This track is nothing but high speed. I agree. Look, it's going to be fantastic. They're going to do well. You'd you'd think Valtteri will, you know, probably like 8th or 7th or something, and Joe might be in 11th again. Because that's where he finished last year. Yep. Yeah, no, look, Uh, it's clear that whatever they've worked on over the offseason has brought about benefit to their team as a whole because they're looking a lot better than they have since Charles drove for them. I would say. That was when they were last looking pretty pretty competitive. Yeah. Valtteri is the kind of driver to do to do really, really well in any situation. So he would be my one to watch particularly. I think Joe will do okay. But yeah. Valtteri is a man, if anyone's going to pull off something significant, it's Valtteri this weekend. What about the Red Bulls? What do you think we're going to see out of them? Uh, look, with the Red Bulls, it would be crazy to say anything but dominant performance this weekend. I don't think any team has done enough to really challenge them. If Red Bull get their set up right, no one will stop them. So I'd say Max first. I don't think that's going to change. We're going to see that a lot this year. Um, Checo, I mean, he's come out and said, I hope it's my turn to win in Saudi Arabia. So we'll see. 
Um, I don't think there will be any team favorship. We whoever qualifies first gets the strategy, and if Max is in second, he gets the strategy because we're going to make him pass you Checo. Yeah, but okay. Where do you see Checo in relation to Max in this inter-team battle? How many tenths of a second do you think Checo will be behind him? Because he was only a few tenths in Bahrain during qualifying. Yeah, look, Checo is a brilliant F1 driver. Like, the only reason he doesn't look like a dominant person is because he's paired up with Max at the moment. I would say he has enough talent and enough ability to stay within that two-tenths marker for the majority of the season. We saw it last year. There was only a couple of races where he was not right where he needed to be. So I don't think Max has gotten better this year. I think the Red Bull is the best car this year. So there's no reason why that should be changed from last year in their ability to qualify right next to each other. That being said, because of how tricky this track is, it wouldn't surprise me to see Checo being two tenths away from Max, but that puts him in fourth or fifth place on the grid. Okay, that's a bit of a shame. Oh, I look, would like to see Check. I would like to see Checo win, but it'd be nice to see him win. I'm still a big Max fanboy, so I do still want Max to have like the perfect start to the year, and then I can go about not worrying at all. Um. Yeah. Checo still can win. I just, like, I really think, like, last year and this year are going to be very, very similar years for Checo on the whole. Because I don't think anything has just changed at Red Bull to warrant any mix-up in any department that they're working on. Like, this That's is fair. a year where we watch every other team because Red Bull's just, they, they've they found the matrix or whatever the hell you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we did miss a huge piece of news as well, and uh, a statement has just been released on it. Okay, let's go through it. Well, I'm glad we missed it because now we get the statement too. Yes, so Haas has been accused by the US government of being non-compliant with their financial restrictions on Russia. This is all due to the Eurocarly. So I'm glad you brought this up because I've seen it. I saw it on Reddit. I saw it on Instagram, and I went, well... This is just an accusation. Nothing's been said about it. So I'm not going to bring it up until something's actually been a bit more formally said. Now that you're bringing it up, fantastic, because now Haas has responded, I'm assuming. Yes, Haas has responded. But I'm just going to I'm just going to read out the key points that I've um that Haas is saying. Haas is and always will have been in full compliance of the US government's export control. No machines have shipped from the Haas factory to Russia since March 3rd, 2022. The 18 machines referenced in the story left left the Haas factory prior to the Russian U- invasion of Ukraine. Haas voluntarily chose to terminate the relationship with the Russian distributor, which has never been required by any US sanctions. Haas completely supports Ukraine and its people in their defense against Russia. And the statement is, It is bitter irony, therefore, that the PBS report paints the Haas team as being supportive of the Russian military, which couldn't be further from the truth. At the time when Americans are struggling to develop the most effective course of conduct in support of Ukraine, it is irresponsible in the extreme for the PBS to present this poorly sourced hit piece, which ignores basic facts and assertions, inserts other facts from that are clearly false. That is directly from Haas. 
So basically, the the PBS hit article has been portrayed as false by the Haas team. I'm inclined to believe Haas too. They they were the ones who pulled the plug on the relationship with the Mazepin family and their business dealings as a whole, and they're correct in their statement by saying yep. we we voluntarily pulled out. Since then, and all the regulations that have been put in place, it seems like Haas has just pulled out of that relationship simply well, be- uh, voluntarily because it was easier to not do business with anyone in Russia at the time. So I'm glad Haas has come out and denied it. I don't... When I saw these pieces pop up, I was like, I really doubt that. Like, they they don't seem to be the kind of people to do it. And it's not a sport where you can really do that sort of shit anyway. So I don't exactly. think there's anything in it. No, I don't think there's anything in it either. I just think it was a hit piece by uh, PBS trying to bring down the Haas team when they're already, you know, they're not they're not where the Haas team wants to be if, in that sense. And they want to be the American team. Especially now with other teams coming in in the future, like Andretti still might get a run. Still might get a run, you are correct. So, you that's know, still a big if. Yeah, look, that's, a, that's as big as if as any of the driver rumours we've covered. But they have, you know what I mean, there is now more competition for Haas to become that American team and be successful because other people are entering the sport and they don't want to be left out in the bottom while new additions possibly outscore them. So... I mean, everybody supports Haas. I'm a massive supporter of Haas. I I think this weekend's going to be average for them. Yeah, I don't see this weekend being anything more than what Bahrain was. However, I guess, man, we should we should go through some of the uh, our final predictions for the weekend, shouldn't we? Yeah. So, who are your three teams slash drivers to watch this weekend? This weekend. Well, obviously, I want to watch Fernando. I think Fernando is probably on for another podium. Man's a genius. Yep. I think Carlos is someone to watch as well. If Ferrari does get their car right, then Carlos should theoretically be doing better than Charles just because of the the penalty that's coming Charles' way. So you'd think they'd be putting all their eggs in Carlos's basket this weekend. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And also, let's keep an eye on young Logan Sargent. Quick track, kids quick. Let's see what happens. No, I think they're good. So my three teams to watch this weekend are Williams as a whole. They're yep. both drivers, I think, are incredibly popular and I support both drivers. So keep an eye out for them. Um, I can see points coming for two cars this weekend. Mm-hmm. Also... Charles, in particular, he will be starting down the grid. Let's see what he can do. It's a fast track. That Ferrari is still quick. It might not be Red Bull quick, but it's still quicker than everything else. Yep. So I would watch Charles in particular and see what he can come up with. As long as he doesn't bin it, I think he'll be fighting the whole way up the grid. And the third team for me to watch would be Alfa Romeo. They should do well here. Valtteri in particular. Definitely points. Joe, I reckon he might be able to snag 10th and get that last point. But those would be my three teams to watch. I like that. I just want to put a special shout out there to um, Pierre Gasly. If the Alpine still haven't got their one lap pace down packed, he's probably going to be starting down the grid from where he should be. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. 
after after his monster drive in Bahrain, it's it's not a shock to me if he was to finish in the points after qualifying sixteenth again. I think Alpine's going to do particularly well. They're the only team that I wanted to mention, but weren't on my three teams to watch. But they should do well here. Like they've got pace in that car, especially if they get their setup for qualify going well. They'll, they'll be competing again too. Because if Gasly can do that and they weren't happy with the car, imagine when it all comes together for him. And Ocon, he normally drives to whatever the car standard is. So if they get the car well, he'll have a decent result as well, like he did last year. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. I, that's where we're going to leave it this afternoon. I think we've covered everything we wanted to talk about. Hopefully, the Saudi GP delivers. Remember, you can find us on social media at Formula Bums everywhere except for Twitter, which is at Bums Formula. I'm on holiday, so I should be... Uh, I'll see if I'm awake to live, live tweet it. It's at a really frustrating time at 4 a.m. for us, isn't it, Andy? It's so bad. I'm not getting up for it. I've got to work that day. We'll see. I'm on leave. I might wake up for it. But if I am, I'll be at Bums Formula tweeting away. We'll uh, we'll see you next time for a race review. And also, I just released a new article on our website, so go check it out at formulabums.com. And also listen to our other show where we talk about any other sport other than this. Yeah, Bums on the Bench. All right, thank you, guys. See ya. See ya.